Pray with me, please. Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Amen. April the 15th, 1947. That day ought to be celebrated as a special day of remembrance in the history of this country. For on that day, a black man and a white man together changed a game and a nation forever. April the 15th, 1947. On that bitingly cold April afternoon, Jackie Robinson took the field for the very first time as a member of the Brooklyn Dodgers Major League Baseball team. And in that stunningly dramatic moment, he shattered once and for all and forever the racial barriers which had existed up to that time in the world of professional sports. Ah, but the fact of the matter is, what happened that day not only impacted the sports world, it literally changed the course of this nation's history. We tend to regard Martin Luther King Jr. as the primary driving force behind the civil rights movement in this country, and that he was. But what I want you to understand is that Dr. King could never have done what he did had not Jackie Robinson done what he did a decade earlier. The whole fascinating story is told for you in a book written by a pr Princeton University professor, Arnold Rampersad. The book is entitled, Jackie Robinson, A Biography. Whether you are a sports fan or not, it is a great read. April the 15th, 1947, the day a black man and a white man together changed a game and a nation forever. The black man, of course, was Jackie Robinson. The white man was Branch Rickey, the president and general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Branch Rickey was a great baseball man, yes, but much more importantly, I think Branch Rickey was a deeply devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. And it was his Christian faith that led him to the conviction that the racial barrier in Major League Baseball had to be broken, and that he was in a position to make it happen. Now, Branch Rickey knew that uh, the player who took that courageous step was going to have to be an extraordinary athlete, yes, but also would have to possess an inner strength sufficient to deal with all of the pressure and the prejudice and the persecution Branch Rickey knew would come. It was at that point that his eye fell upon Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson at that point was a dynamic young ball player filled with great potential. Much more to Ricky's purposes, however. Jackie Robinson had been given, first in his childhood, by his mother, later on during his troubled adolescent years, by a Methodist preacher. Jackie Robinson had been given a strong faith in Jesus Christ and a belief that God had great plans for him in his life. And so it was that Branch Rickey invited Jackie Robinson to his office, and an amazing conversation took place there. You know, it is said that on small moments, history turns. This was a small moment, but it turned history. 
When Robinson sat down in Branch Rickey's office, Rickey immediately said to him, I know you're a good ball player, but what I don't know is if you have any guts. With that, Robinson stiffened immediately. But before he could answer, Branch Rickey said, I want to know if you have guts enough not to fight back. And then at that moment, suddenly, surprisingly, shockingly, Branch Rickey jumped out of his chair, stripped off his coat, and he immediately proceeded to act out all of the abuse he knew that Jackie Robinson would have to endure. He spewed verbal venom all over Robinson. He got right in his face and screamed threats at him. At one point, he even swung his pudgy fist at Robinson's head, and Robinson had to duck to keep from being hit. And then Ricky screamed at him, Do you have courage enough not to fight back? Jackie Robinson very calmly replied, Mr. Ricky, I read the Bible. I know what Jesus says about turning the other cheek. I can do that. At that point, Branch Ricky sat down on the sofa next to Jackie Robinson, reached out, picked up a book that was on the coffee table there. It was a book quite popular in that day. It was called The Life of Christ, written by Alfred Adersheim. Ricky flipped to a page in that book and then proceeded to read a paragraph from that book to Jackie Robinson, a paragraph which stated that Jesus' teaching about turning the other cheek is the single most revolutionary teaching in all of human history. Right then and right there, Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey struck a covenant with the Lord and with each other. They went on then to strike a blow for justice on the baseball field, and what they did ultimately struck the spark which ignited the civil rights movement in this nation. April the 15th, 1947, the day a black man and a white man together changed a game and a nation forever. Jackie Robinson believed in the wisdom of the revolutionary teaching of Jesus Christ about turning the other cheek. Now, there are so many people in this world who would be willing to tell you that turning the other cheek is not a wise thing to do. They say that if you follow that teaching, the world simply will run you over or run you down or run you out. So, I put the question to all of us today. Turning the other cheek, is it wise or otherwise? Let's look at this teaching of Jesus to see if we might discover the answer. In the first place, when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, he means that we are to respond to harshness with kindness. In other words, don't retaliate. Now, it is very important for you to understand exactly what Jesus meant when he delivered this teaching. There are any number of people through the ages who have misinterpreted Jesus' words. When you read what Jesus actually said, he specifically states uh, that you are struck on the right cheek. The right cheek. Now, in order to be struck on the right cheek, Unless 
you are confronting that rare left-handed person, you have to be struck with the back of the other person's hand. In Jesus' day, being struck with the back of the hand was not an act of attack. It was instead an act of insult. And so Jesus, in essence, was saying that hurts and slanders and insults in life ought to be ignored. Don't exchange hurt for hurt. Don't feel that you've got to get even with someone. Don't let someone else's actions determine your actions. Two wrongs don't make a right. When you encounter hurts, slanders, or insults along your life's journey, respond to that harshness with kindness. Don't retaliate. Now, Jesus, of course, is the perfect example of such a gracious spirit. Remember, please, that all the way through his life, Jesus experienced hurt of one form or another. People were insulting him every time he turned around. Slanders were forever being directed against him. And yet Jesus never once responded to that hurtfulness with a harshness of his own. He was way too big, way too strong, way too courageous to ever do anything like that. Now, wait just a minute here. Who we've got to be careful. I want you to understand that this teaching does not mean that in life we are to be weak, passive, and spineless. It does not mean that we are to be doormats in life. Four words, weak, passive, spineless, doormat. Not a single one of those words could ever be applied to Jesus Christ. Jesus was anything but weak, passive, and spineless. Jesus was anything but a doormat. No, Jesus understood that it takes an extraordinary strength and courage to be able not to retaliate when hurts or insults or slanders are directed to you. He calls us then to respond to harshness with kindness. Jackie Robinson was a big, big man. He possessed an unbelievable strength and courage inside. And that's what enabled him never ever to retaliate against the insults and the slanders which were heaped upon him. By the way, do you know that Major League Baseball, for the first time in its history, has permanently retired Jackie Robinson's number 42? No Major League Baseball player on any team will ever again wear the number 42. And it is all in honor of Jackie Robinson. Turning the other cheek, is it wise or otherwise? You tell me. And when Jesus says that we are to turn the other cheek, he means that we are to respond to abuse with grace. In other words, don't hate. Now, if you look at Jesus' life carefully, you readily understand that Jesus' life from the beginning to the end was marked by an extraordinary degree of abuse. I mean, that's the way his life started out. 
His family had to make that hazardous flight from uh, the Holy Land over to Egypt in order to preserve this infant child's life from the threats of death leveled by the aging, raging King Herod. When Jesus first preached in his own hometown amongst the people with whom he'd grown up, what happened? They turned on him. They seized him. He barely managed to escape being stoned to death all the way through his life. He was conspired against by those seeking to do him in. Ultimately, of course, he was cursed and beaten and stripped and spat upon and nailed to a cross and left to die as hideous and painful a death as you could ever imagine. And yet, how did Jesus respond to all of that abuse? With grace. The soldiers came to arrest him. He did not retaliate. In fact, he said to Peter, put up your sword. The soldiers nailed him to the cross. He did not respond with hatred. In fact, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. There was one of those Roman soldiers on Calvary that day who saw it all and heard it all. And when he had seen it all and heard it all, he then said it all. He said, surely this was the Son of God. A number of years later, another soldier said something quite similar. The soldier's name was Napoleon. Napoleon said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires built upon force. Only Jesus Christ has founded an empire built upon love. And today, millions of people would be willing to die for him. Thus spake Napoleon. And look at what has happened since. The empires of Alexander and Caesar and Charlemagne and Napoleon have disappeared into the dustbin of human history. Only the empire of Jesus Christ remains. And today, not just millions, but literally billions of people would be willing to die for him. Love is the single most powerful force in all the world, infinitely more powerful than hate. And so Jesus says to us, when you encounter hurts, insults, or slanders in life, don't hate. Respond to abuse with grace. Turning the other cheek, is it wise or otherwise, you tell me. And then when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, he means that we are to respond to adversity with perseverance. In other words, don't quit. Don't retaliate. Don't hate. Don't quit. After that April day in 1947, for years thereafter, Jackie Robinson endured almost unspeakable prejudice, and persecution. Taunts and threats marked every single day of his career as a Major League Baseball player. When you read the account, page after page after page, it will reduce you to tears. And yet through it all, Jackie Robinson never quit. He persevered. And because he persevered, he prevailed. Dear friends, when life knocks us flat, we have two choices. We can quit, we can give up, give out, give in, or we can get back up, dust ourselves off, 
and go on living creatively and confidently in Jesus Christ. The best example of taking that second choice that I have ever encountered was a Scottish Presbyterian pastor named George Matheson. He was born in 1842 in the city of Glasgow, Scotland. By the time he reached his teen years, he was showing extraordinary promise and potential for his life. He went off to college and was building a splendid record. And there in college, he, he fell in love with a young woman. She became the great love of his life, and he longed to marry her. At age 18, life knocked George Matheson flat. Tragically, he was stricken blind. This young woman, as if the blindness was not devastating enough, this young woman, with cruelty aforethought, said to him, I do not wish to be married to a blind man. And with malice and cruelty aforethought, she turned and stalked out of his life forever. The world for George Matheson crumbled. Now at that point, George Matheson could have responded with anger, hatred, bitterness, resentment. He could have withdrawn into a shell and cursed God. Or he could have just quit, just given up on life. He did none of the above. Instead, he turned his now sightless eyes toward Jesus Christ. He filled his broken heart with a love for the people of God. And he gave himself to the gospel ministry. In what could only be described as an amazing demonstration of love, George Matheson's sister became his eyes. She actually went with him to seminary. She learned Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, just so that she could help him with his studies. When he entered the ministry, she became an invaluable help to him in fulfilling his pastoral responsibilities. One example. Here is the way George Matheson would preach. Because of his disability, he developed a remarkable memory. And so each week, he would sit down with his sister. He would dictate to his sister his sermon. She would write down the words. She would then read the entire sermon back to him twice. That was sufficient for him to memorize the sermon. And on Sunday morning, he would stand in the pulpit and preach that sermon word for word. Ultimately, he became one of Scotland's greatest preachers, preaching to 2,000 people every Sunday morning at his church in Edinburgh. June the 6th, 1882, George Matheson's sister was to be married. He was thrilled for her. But you can imagine, can't you, how her pending marriage would have awakened all of the old pain in his life, the great love of his heart turned and walked out of his life, leaving him to a life of both singleness and sightlessness. And yet, even in the midst of that reawakened pain, his love for Jesus Christ prevailed. He sent word to his sister, asking if she would interrupt her preparations for her wedding, to come to him just for a few minutes, to write down some words that were rolling around in his mind and in his heart. She came, and in five minutes... He had dictated the words, and she had written them down. The words became one of the best-loved hymns of them all. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. 
I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Dear friends, let me say as simply, as plainly, as clearly as I know how. Commit your life to Jesus Christ and commit to live your life every day in the spirit of Jesus Christ. For if you do, then I promise you, you will know a life that, as George Matheson's hymn puts it, you will know a life that shall endless be. Pray with me, please. God on high, hear my prayer. Enable us not to retaliate, not to hate, never to quit. Enable us instead to live every day in the spirit of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord.